Hello and welcome to the Stacked Podcast, brought to you by Cognify, the recruitment partner for modern data teams, hosted by me, Harry Gollop. Stacked with incredible content from the most influential and successful data teams, interviewing industry experts who share their invaluable journeys, groundbreaking projects, and most importantly, their key learnings. So get ready to join us as we uncover the dynamic world of modern data. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the show. This week, I'm joined by Leon Tang. Leon is the VP of data at Fresher, and Fresher are the number one software for salons and spas. They provide a simple, flexible, and powerful booking software for businesses, and it's subscription-free. Today, we discuss about the importance of making sure your data function is a driver and not a support function, how to effectively communicate and align with the business needs, and the most important skills for a modern data professional. I hope you enjoy our conversation. Hi, Leon. Thanks for joining me today on the show. How are you doing? All good, Harry. Thanks for joining me in the Fresh Office. How are you? Yeah, I'm really good. Uh, it's great to be in the Fresh Office just off of Waterloo. And today we're going to be going through how to navigate the modern world of data. But before we jump in, it'd be great just to get an overview of your background and your position here at Fresher. Yeah, for sure. Well, coming from like an immigrant family, it's quite different, right? And so my parents came to the UK at a young age and then had my brother, me, and later my sister. Like a lot of Chinese immigrants, they opened a fish and chip shop, surprisingly. <laughs> you wouldn't typically link fish and chips with Chinese no. people, but here we go in a small town south of London called East Grinstead. It's near Gatwick, for those of you who know, which I was forced to work in, right? So growing up, I had to play quite a lot of different roles. Potato peeler, chip fryer, fish and chip wrapper, fish deboner, but also cashier, right? And I, honestly, as a kid, I absolutely hated it. I had to work on Friday nights and Saturdays, which meant that instead of socializing with my friends, I was stuck at home. But kind of looking back, I don't think I would have had the same success in my career if I didn't play those roles. And if you said to me, right, to that potato peeling kid, you'll one day be building and leading teams at some of the most well-known tech companies in the world, like Deliveroo, to end up leading their data due diligence in Series F, where we raised $485 million, or even working with businesses like Burger King to help them launch their dark kitchens globally, I would have never believed you, right? And now I'm actually the VP of Analytics at Fresher, which I know you mentioned. Just for those of you who haven't heard of us, we're one of the largest beauty and wellness software payments and marketplaces in the world. And during COVID, we grew 200%, right? And imagine that with all these places closing down, how do we grow 200% in those two years? And because of this growth, I guarantee that you have been too, or have a store near you that uses Fresher. And I say this because for the past six years that I lived in Angel, I have always booked online at Barber Smith's in Camden Passage. I just never knew I was booking on Fresher. Well, it's a couple of things to break down there. Mm -hmm. First off, it seems growing up, your work ethic has transpired into the real world and has held you well. And as for Fresh's growth over COVID, I think it's just evident of digitalization and the power it's bringing to companies that probably didn't have the infrastructure or the knowledge of how to build a platform like, like you guys. Exactly. It's all about Fresh's, like how you make lives of the beauty and wellness industry shop owners a lot easier, a lot simpler, so they can focus on the good stuff, right? Like working with their customers, upselling products. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you should always focus on what you're best at, right? 
Exactly. Play to your strengths, not your weaknesses. Brilliant. So you've had an interesting journey into data. You've already sort of mentioned your, a, a bit about your background. What made you jump into the world of data and how did you deal with the change into mm -hmm. an industry so, so technical and business focused as data? Let me give some background on this because if you look eight years ago, when I first started as one of Deliveroo's early employees, my journey does feel quite surreal. To me anyway, right? I started initially in customer service at Deliveroo. We kind of dealt with the usual CS stuff, answering calls, replying to emails, giving refunds. Not exactly what I call fun, right? For me, it was quite boring. And an opportunity came up when I saw refunds were costing us quite a lot. And I really wanted to look into it. Like in around two weeks, I learned SQL and Python and actually presented to the team and the analytics team actually in the room at that time, some data and some analysis around how do we reduce these refund costs. And essentially, after the actual presentation itself, the guys from analytics came up to me and were like, why are you in customer service? Come to analytics, we'll give you a full-time salary and also stock options. And I was like, oh man, I can't love this. <laughs> because full disclosure, in customer service, I was earning eight pounds an hour. I was working 12 hours a day, six days a week, and traveling two hours up from London and two hours back from London. So as you can imagine, my life was just completely work-related and not very fun, also very sleep-deprived. So working in analytics really gave me that path out, which was awesome. And I guess your second part of your question was all about how do I deal with the change in the industry, right? And I guess for me, the main difference between analytics and CS was pretty large, right? In CS, I already had the skills that I needed as a worked in food retail before. But in analytics, I was required to skill up super fast, learning concepts that I haven't learned or seen before and trying to provide value as quick as possible. It was kind of like being placed on an alien planet and trying to make a living without knowing the language. So pretty hard. I'm not going to lie that it was really tough. I made a lot of mistakes along the way, but I kind of feel like you just got to dust yourself off and keep moving forward. When you're asking about how do I deal with the change, I think resilience is key, right? Just be comfortable with making mistakes and know that you're going to make mistakes, but learn from them. Yeah, I think that's it's such a powerful message. And I think even now what we see in the, in the modern data world is no one has the right answer to everything. Everyone's trying to find their own exactly. way. And by making mistakes is, and failing is how you learn and progress. So it's a, it's a great lesson to, to take forward. You mentioned, obviously, you had no prior technical backgrounds. How did you upskill in, in that environment? Did you do extra courses? Was it the team? How could someone else go on a similar journey to you like that? That's a good question. I guess I've always been quite mathematical. I mean, growing up in an Asian households, maths was a really big thing. But also when I was saying I was working as a cashier in that fish and chip shop, you weren't allowed to use calculators or anything. You calculate all the price in your head and then you type it out, right? which is crazy. Imagine someone comes in or there's like six or seven portion of fish and chips with two bad sausages on the side of a mush of peas. You've got to do that in your head straight away. Take the money, right? And you've got to be precise and correct. So that's one thing. And the other thing is, I also study physics at university. And in physics, there's a lot of stats. There's a lot of like theoretical work, but there's a lot of like problem solving as well, which kind of translates to analytics as a whole. But in terms of like the actual hard skills, which are necessary, like learning SQL and Python, I just looked on like, Coursera or Codecavi, one of those anyway, to really understand exactly, okay, how do I start writing out code? How do I understand it and conceptualize it? But then also working on problems that actually allowed me to produce this analysis. 
I found that the key way of doing it. Just learn by doing. Yeah, that's, it's been a common theme, actually, with some other guests. Learn by doing is definitely the most powerful, mm -hmm. and it comes back to their mistakes. So that brings us nicely on to, to the next question around what skills do you think are the most important in data to excel? What is your approach in developing them, and mm -hmm. how do you think you can best apply them to real-world data analytics? That's not a good question. So there's three things I really think are important to excel in data, but actually kind of overlap within the general business world as well. And the first one is stakeholders management, right? If you are good with your stakeholders, you won't get anywhere, right? There's only a certain point where your hard skills take you, right? And then afterwards, you need to understand how to work with people and work with them well. Make sure they like you and actually build those relationships. Because it's very easy to be the best at SQL. Well, easy-ish. <laughs> or the best at like Python, right? But when it comes to like working with the stakeholders, understanding what they need before they even need it, that's essential, right? Or understand how to work with them in terms of like the best way for project management, the best way of communication, the best way of following up, right? All these things are completely vital, especially when you want to progress. The second one I would say is being very business focused. What I find is that a lot of people are very technical, but they can't relate it back to business or the commercials, right? So they've made this amazing model and they're like, oh yeah, but does it actually solve the business problem they're looking for? Oh no, well, what you make in the first place, right? And it kind of ties back into stakeholder management model as well. Because I didn't know you need to be able to sell the thing that you're making. If you can't sell the model you're making or sell the analysis that you're doing to your stakeholders, right, you're going to get nowhere. Because I guess it's very different to how people think about analytics team, right? Some people think of analytics teams like they're a support function, but the way I see it is more like a steering function. And in order for you to steer those business units or those stakeholders in the right way, you need to be able to sell. You need to have that relationship in the first place, and you need to understand the business. And I guess the last and most important thing is, I would say, is all about communication, right? How do you communicate something which is very technical, very simply to your stakeholders? Because if you can't do that, they don't understand you. Again, it's very hard for you to sell that to them. I mean, they all link perfectly into, in, into each other. And I think your emphasis on the softer skills is so important, isn't it? Because you can build, as you mentioned, all of this amazing stuff, but if it's not being used by the business, then what's the real point in, in, in building it? And I think that's a, an interesting point that you made about the data team not being a support function, but being a, a steerer. Is that how you would maybe look at an organization or the data team when you join them? And if they are seen as more of a support function, how would you approach mm -hmm. turning them into a steerer and a driver rather than that support function? Because I think that's something that maybe quite a lot of leaders might be in an organization where they're seen like that and maybe sure. would like some advice for how to get there. For sure. I've worked in a few companies where analytics has been a support function and actually we are transitioning out to more of a steering strategic function, right? So. I'm just going to quickly explain to you what I mean by a steering function. So a support function is very similar to CX, right? It's similar to, I guess, how data engineers are working with analysts. They help them get to where they need by giving them the support, the tasks, or the projects they need to actually fulfill that in the first place, right? A steering function is slightly different. And the way I see it is kind of like being an internal consultant like McKinsey, like people from Bain working with the different verticals to help them achieve their results and help them implement different strategies and actually even processes to get to that required result, right? Hitting a certain KPI 
or increasing their growth or improving their EBITDA. That's stuff that analysts should be able to do because they should be able to pull the data together, come up with a strategy by working with different stakeholders and then actually implement it with them hand in hand. I think that's the fun stuff anyway. So that's what I see as a steering function, right? And when you say how to get to that, I think it's depending on a few things. One is that analytics can't be reactive all the time, right? You also, you have to think about how to start being proactive in certain things with certain issues that come up and actually just take something, a project by the hands, be like, hey, look, I see there's a problem here. Let me bring all the data together and actually go out to those bit functions and be like, hey, this is something interesting I found. How about we work together on this? Which actually relates really closely to what I said before about stakeholder management and building those relationships. Because if you don't have those relationships in the first place, it's so hard for you to push those genders, right? And I guess the next thing, which I feel like a lot of analytics teams are missing, right, is clear processes, clear projects, right, and also business understanding. So I'm going to cover the first one. So when I say clear processes, right, I have seen a lot of analytics teams being stuck in the support function because people would go up to them like, hey, can I get some analysis? And if the first analyst is busy, they'll go to the second one, the third one, the fourth one, the fifth one for exactly the same thing. And obviously that's very destructive, right? So you need to be able to set up processes to protect and shield your team from ad hoc requests and from people just bugging them all the time, right? And one way you do that is with projects, right? And the way you think about projects is like, how do you work across the business? Again, building those relationships in the first place and quickly understanding what do people care about and what problems do they need to solve using data. Because if you can't figure that out, then you actually shouldn't have projects in the first place, right? But once you have these projects in place, then what, what you do is you say, okay, here's the quarterly projects that analytics is gonna work with. These are being vetted by with the rest of the wider business, with the senior leadership team, with the C-levels, whoever it is. And they say, we're gonna work on these for this quarter, right? Obviously. Don't overburden yourselves because I see when people put too much in, they kind of burn themselves out. But once you have these projects in place, right, then you can say, hey, look, these are things I'm working on in this quarter. Any ad hoc things that come up have to go through a separate process. And we recently in Fresher implemented a ticketing system. So tickets will go through this process into Notion where all of our other stuff is. And we would review that once a week or once every two weeks, depending on what people department is on priorities regarding adult tasks versus the projects, right? So if they want us to work on certain adult tasks, then we say, actually, you're gonna push your project by like two, three weeks. Are you happy with that, right? So we have a conversation around that. And this also means that all the requests are in one place that allows us to make the decisions in the first place. So as a leader, you prioritize your team's workloads, take the burden off of them and empower them to work more effectively by creating open communication and a single source of truth when it comes to ticketing and ad hoc requests. Allowing your team to do what they do best, like what, exactly. what, like what Fresher does, you don't want need your team being overwhelmed with stuff which is they need to do, but you have removed the blockers for them to be able to do it. Totally agree. Totally agree. Perfect. And I suppose on that, you have these different roles, your data analysts. Mm -hmm. There are so many roles within the data space What's your advice for someone who is looking to choose to focus in on one? And do you think that is the best approach to, to focus in on a specific role? It's hard because it really depends on your end goal. But 
generally speaking, you need to stand out, right? And you do this by specializing and also realizing what you're good at. So you need to focus on your strengths and not your weaknesses, like we mentioned before. And I guess a good story for this is when I was working at Deliveroo, I really wanted to be a data scientist. Because it was like the new shiny thing, you're doing all these machine learning algorithms, it sounds super cool. And then I was quickly thinking, I see all of these new graduates come out with their master's degrees in data science, with their stats degree, with like amazing like skills in Python. And then I like paired up to myself and I was like, yeah, that's not me, right? <laughs> How do I compete with these guys? And the thing that I had compared to them, right, was that I was very good commercially. I knew exactly what the business needed. I knew what investors wanted. I knew how to actually get to that strategy. I knew how to pull my own data and actually do the whole thing. I was good with stakeholders. And if I compare that, if I went actually, if I had thought about going down the data science route using those set of skills, yeah, I probably could have done well, but probably not as well as I could now. So focus on your strengths, guys. It's so, so important. Yeah, no, it's a running theme and it makes sense, doesn't it? Play to your strengths and excel in them and upskilling your weaknesses where possible. So exactly. Or you just hire for the right people to cover those weaknesses. Yes. Yeah, well, that's what uh, a strong leader does, right? Find someone, when you can't do something, you find someone who can. Exactly. And, and remove the blockers that the, the are in their way to, to enable them. Exactly that. So I suppose on that, it's really been really interesting for you as a leader. What mistakes do you see professionals make in their early career or, or as they progress? And what advice do you have for them? Let me bring back to delivery once again, because that's where I started. And where, like I said, I made a lot of mistakes. And one of them was very early on, I was focusing on hard skills all the time. Like I need to learn this language. I need to be the best at SQL. I need to best at Python, right? I need to best at making these dashboards or the best at geospatial analysis. And yeah, great. It got me to like a senior analyst, but then I found it really hard to move past there, right? And that only changed when I moved into corporate strategy to lead the data due diligence for fundraising. And then I quickly realized that hard skills are great, but what makes teams work is the ability to work with people across the board, right? And then I guess the other thing which is really important for me is not trying too much at once. And I have a caveat here, right? So I would try to do as much as possible when you're very junior in an entry role, right? Do as many projects as you can, really understand what it is that drives you, what you're passionate about, what you like doing, right? And I guess that's the whole, you know, the whole point of being in a startup, you get to wear those different hats. But as you grow more mature and you grow in your career, you really need to focus on what you're good at. So what we said before, always focus on your strengths. Everyone's going to have their inherent weaknesses. You can round yourself off if you want, but without focusing on your strengths, you're never going to differentiate yourself from everyone else. And that relates again to that business awareness, which is obviously so so tuned with what data teams need. I think particularly now in the, what's happened over the last six, nine 12 months with the scrutiny on, on data teams with the economic situation. <laughs> 100%. There's a lot of data teams that are trying to really try and prove their value within the ecosystem. So that realignment of business and commercial awareness is so important, I think, mm -hmm. for no matter where you are within the data, whether you're an analyst or a platform data engineer, I still think you need that, that domain knowledge. Exactly. Because what's quite interesting, right, is that analytics don't really have the KPIs, right? They're very linked to business KPIs. Honestly, how do you show that, you know, your teams help to drive 50 to 60% growth, right? It's by working with these other teams across the business. 
and they need to help push and promote you with the analysis that you've done, right? That's the important thing. Yeah. And how do you, you know, it's, it's, it's all great us saying you need to have commercial awareness, you need to think about the business, but what's your advice for practitioners and leaders to actually gain that and to actually gain that experience, that awareness, because mm -hmm. it's easier said, maybe harder to execute. That's so true. Understanding is very important. Understanding before you make any decisions as a company, the people, the business strategy, different projects you're working on, the different relationships around the business, what's important, what's not important, what's been done. Like without understanding the whole scope of things, it's very hard for you to make the right decisions. But also you just come across as a bit of a dick, right? You come in and like, hey, I'll make all these changes, but you don't even understand what's been changed and what's important. And you lose trust. And then the second most important thing then is like, how do you work alongside different teams to actually build this analytics roadmap once you've understood what's important in that company, right? Understood the capacity that you have. Because again, you don't want to overwork your team. And then the last one is like, how do you start thinking about refining these projects once they've been launched, right? Does the scope change a little bit? Do we care about this anymore? Does it still align with the business strategy? If it doesn't, we've got to fix and change it, right? Yes, you have got to be a little bit like, agile or flexible of these things. And sometimes you work on something for a month and it doesn't turn out to be as important as it once was. That's fine, right? We just need to make sure we don't make that same mistake again and actually understand, okay, what do we work on next, which is important. And I think from this, then you can get that alignment between business teams and data teams because everyone understands what that one goal is, what that one vision is and how to get there. Yes, it's about Constant alignment, constant communication, understanding exactly. their pain points and making their problems your problems and, and you're giving them solutions. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And it's what we try to do um, in our industry in, in recruitment as well. Understand your pain points and provide a solution, right? Exactly. So it's all about asking questions, you know, and yeah. listening. Yeah. Yeah. The right questions, pull out the right answers, and then you can all be aligned on, and everyone's on the same road and the same journey rather than you just saying, this is what we're doing. Exactly that. You're coming along for the ride and then they're not, not mm -hmm. whenever you tell someone to do something, they're always a bit more hesitant. You need, it needs to be them exactly. driving it. Exactly. It's like when you're choosing a BI tool, right? You don't want to choose one that you've used before only because you're familiar with it. You need to think about from the business perspective, what do they need? Right. And also how data literate are they? Cause that completely dictates what tool you go for. Yeah. Yeah. That's, um, Brings us on nicely to our next question, actually. Um, tech is obviously a huge enabler and it's so important to, to marry your technology with the culture and the DNA of your organization. So the, what is the fresher tech stack and how do you maximize the most out of the, the tech and the potential that it has? So we use Snowflake, DBT, Fivetran, Prefect, very similar to the reigning stack. We still use Periscope and that was a relic of the past, let's say, and that's something we aim to look at renewing and changing. What I find is really important to, you know, one, maximize its potential across the business is actually to make sure that there is a data-driven culture, right? Because without a data-driven culture, then at the end of the day, what you're making doesn't reflect on its actual usage or its actual benefits to the wider team, right? I guess at Fresher, I'm pretty lucky with a data-driven culture because it was already there. Right, when I joined. But also reporting into the CEO who loves data as well, 
definitely helps, right? It helps push forward different initiatives really quickly. Whereas sometimes it'll be hard to push through either CTO or CFO or CEO, right? Or even a CPO, which is a bit strange for analytics to report to, but sometimes it is like that. And what this means is that reporting to your CEO and also having a strong data-driven culture ready means that I didn't actually have to push to enable this, but now I have the responsibility of like nurturing, growing it. And honestly, I guess it's very similar to growing a data-driven culture, right? And you do this by giving people the skills and tools to use data easily. So firstly, like I mentioned just now, you need to assess the data literacy of your team. Do they understand how to pull their own data? Do they know how to use Excel or even analyze their own data? If not, I would typically think about Excel training classes, SQL classes, or even like data case studies to help them understand how to look at data. And then from there, it's all about giving stakeholders the correct tools to self-serve their own data. This typically means like a curated data mark for each team, which we can train them how to use but also work to learn on how to curate this, right? So what types of granularity do you want? What data points do you want? What columns do you want to look at, right? What columns do you have to hide from specific team members? All that, we should be doing it alongside the different verticals. And then on top of that, there should be a very easy to use BI tool, right? I've seen some BI tools, I won't name who, but they're very hard to pick up and the retention rate on them is just super, super low, right? That's something you don't want. You want something which is very easy for everyone to pick up, and answers straight away. Otherwise, it means more ad hoc work for you. So, and I guess, yeah, that's my few cents on this. Yeah, no, that's, that's really interesting. I think it's so, so important to have that ease of use on the front end. I think there's lots of talk of the future of BI with, with AI and natural language. I think that seems to be a really strong use case if you can have business users able to have natural language, ask natural language questions and get data analytics back is definitely seems like the most easy to use solution for the future. Exactly. And imagine your stakeholders saying, hey, I want the sales for Manhattan in the last three years, split by month, right? Compared to them writing down SQL, it's a lot easier, right? You're kind of enabling them, but you just have to train them to make sure they're looking at the right data sets. Because otherwise what could happen is that different people could bring different numbers to a meeting and that's something you don't want. Then you lose all that trust yeah, <laughs> which exactly. and, and that data culture starts to, to crumble a little bit. Exactly. Okay, well, that's great. That brings us, I suppose, near to the end and, and to the final question. We have a, a quick fire round, which we ask all the guests. And I suppose the first question is quite relevant to you because you're quite new to Fresher. So the first question is, how do you assess a job opportunity and how do you know it's the right move in your career? Good question. A few things. So I guess the first one is, if you join a startup, you need to understand the equity, right? Is it going to give you a good enough, let's say, bonus when they do eventually IPO or if they'll IPO, right? And they have to like calculate and understand one, the business model, second, the growth, third is the profitability, right? And then the potential payout at the end. Because joining a startup is kind of like getting shares, but you just pick the right one, right? You're spending four years of your life to get fully vested, right? And if you don't pick the right one and they never IPO, you just waste those four years. That potential money is zero. So something to look into. And then on a personal side, for me is, am I gonna find a place which always pushes me and always pushes me to learn more, right? And then lastly is, do I like the team and do I like my manager, right? Are they going to get me to that next level or am I gonna be stagnant over here? Yeah, 
makes perfect sense. You know, um, that's one of the, the big drivers of a, of a startup is the equity. And I think given recent situations, profitability and making sure that there's a clear roadmap for the future is, is so important. And I suppose the last point is all about culture, right? You have to exactly. enjoy the people you're working with and, and hopefully they're the ones pushing you and you're not just another cog in a machine which can exactly where that. you can stagnate. Exactly that. And it's always nice to be able to make changes when you want to. If you're in a place where it's very bureaucratic and things are moving very slow, I mean, it might work for some people, but for me, it just doesn't excite me, right? I want to be able to make these big changes. I want to be able to like hire who I want. I want to be able to use data to help people around the company. And without all these things, I think it's very hard. Yeah, freedom. Freedom is definitely, a, I think, mm -hmm. a massive part and something people should look for when making their, their, for sure. their choice to the next job. So I suppose that links nicely to the next question. What's your best piece of advice for people in an interview? You've obviously recently been interviewing, I imagine, and I imagine you've interviewed quite a few people over your time. Wow, quite a few. I built a whole data team at Reef Technology from zero to 26 without any recruiters because we wanted to save a bit of money. <laughs> so you can imagine how much time went into that, right? Yes. And I guess there's advice for interviewer and an interviewee. Let's start with interviewee. And honestly, just be yourself because at the end of the day, an interview is a two-way thing. You need to sell yourself, sure, but they also need to sell their company to you, right? And then for the interviewers, just be nice. You need to create a setting where the interviewee feels comfortable and can open up. And please, for the love of God, don't go over the usual boring interview questions like, tell me about your time in X, or tell me about your three biggest strengths, all of that stuff, right? You want to make it as engaging as possible and not rehearse because they're very easy to rehearse and you don't get to know the person. Yeah, I know. It makes, um, makes perfect sense. I think that being yourself is so important mm -hmm. and you should tap into the things you're passionate about, really talk exactly. about them in detail. Just on you, you hiring with no recruiters, you clearly probably spent quite a lot of time interviewing. Do you ever think about the cost it takes of, of interviewing that many people? Because I know that's something that some companies really have strain on, right? If you're, you're interviewing X amount of people who, who aren't qualified, that's a lot of cost of your time as a data team. Is that something you often exactly. consider? That's something you definitely consider, but getting the buy-in from the wider company typically is quite hard, right? Final question. If you could recommend one resource to the audience to help them upskill, what would it be? Okay, so the thing that I recommend everyone upskills, not only in data, is selling. And I feel that is the most valuable skill anyone can have. Like I said, not only in analytics, but in life. And recently, I think two years ago, I read this book called Never Split the Difference. And I have always recommended it to anyone who wants to succeed in the world, in the business world, I should say. It's written by an ex-FBI negotiator. Chris Voss. Correct. And Chris covers the communication skills he's used to save many people from very dangerous situations. It's such a good read. Yeah, I've read the book as well. It's, it's great. It's incredibly insightful. And mm -hmm. it just talks about how every interaction you have, it can be in a negotiation. Exactly. Um, and... Change, trying to change someone's mind or just help them see it from your side of or your, your point of view, which is, is so important. Exactly. And also the way that you speak, your pitch, your tone, your speed, your cadence, but also the language that you use, like using a lot of buts is not good, right? It, it doesn't feel like a big change and it feels quite strange at the start. And honestly, it really works.
Yeah, no, I've, I I couldn't agree more. And definitely something in data, you're, you're trying to, to change people's minds. You're trying to give them insight, trying to show them what the data is saying. So yeah, the ability to sell that and sell the value, especially to, to people that might not understand and be as data literate is so important. So I think that's a, an excellent resource to, to look at. 100%. There's actually another really good book by Bob Iger, who was the ex-CEO of Disney, but now the CEO of Disney again. He wrote a book called Ride of a Lifetime. It's just incredible. The stuff that guy has done, the teams that he has built, the achievements he's done, absolutely incredible. I'll be sure to add that one to my list. And that brings us to the end of the show. Thank you so much for your time, Leon. It's, it's been an absolute pleasure. And yeah, hopefully people uh, will enjoy, I really think they're going to enjoy hearing your approach. And yeah, hopefully we'll speak again soon. Thanks, Harry. Speak to you soon. Bye, Cheers. guys. Bye. Well, that's it for this week. Thank you so, so much for tuning in. I really hope you've learned something. I know I have. The Stack Podcast aims to share real journeys and lessons that empower you and the entire community. Together, we aim to unlock new perspectives and overcome challenges in the ever-evolving landscape of modern data. Today's episode was brought to you by Cognify, the recruitment partner for modern data teams. If you've enjoyed today's episode, hit that follow button to stay updated with our latest releases. More importantly, if you believe this episode could benefit someone you know, please share it with them. We're always on the lookout for new guests who have inspiring stories and valuable lessons to share with our community. If you or someone you know fits that bill, please don't hesitate to reach out. I've been Harry Gollop from Cognify, your host and guide on this data-driven journey. Until next time, over and out.